Hello, Rebecca Langley here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. I want to acknowledge that this program was recorded on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Wow, it's been ages since you've heard my voice. I went overseas for a few months and then COVID-19 hit, but I'm back in Australia and I've moved to central Victoria. I'm looking forward to connecting with the local community when things calm down a bit. Huge thanks to comrade Annie McLaughlin, who's been holding the Stick Together line over summer. This week, you'll hear from Peter Arndt about the work he's been doing in Queensland for the wage subsidy campaign. Then we'll hear from Marcus Banks from Unionists for Refugees about what the group's doing to support refugees and asylum seekers during this particularly uncertain time. But first, some union news. The MUA this week is supporting over 60 wharfies who have been stood down after refusing to unload a container vessel at the DP World Terminal in Melbourne last week on safety grounds, identifying it as a risk to workers and the community. The vessel docked in breach of the federal government's 14-day coronavirus quarantine period. The MUA said wharfies understood their important role during the crisis, but allowing the container vessel Jeanne d'Alien to breach the coronavirus quarantine period was simply too great a risk. The union is also calling for a suite of measures to be cooperatively implemented to protect workers and the community and to keep the supply chains open. MUA Assistant National Secretary Warren Smith said, the largest cluster of COVID-19 cases in Australia, which has already claimed several lives and caused hundreds of illnesses, was the result of inadequate measures put in place for the arrival of ships. What's the difference with this ship? Wharfies don't want to see a repeat of that blunder on the waterfront, but we still see ships allowed to dock inside of quarantine periods in breach of Australian Government Department of Health guidelines. An outbreak of COVID-19 on the waterfront would have a devastating impact on Australia's supply chain, given 98% of imports arrive by sea, disrupting the waterfronts and stopping vital medical supplies, food and household goods. It is vital we do everything possible to protect workers, including testing, physical distancing measures on the job, strong hygiene, cleaning, PPE and every other level of support available. It is irresponsible not to take the strongest measures to protect the workforce, which is providing basic needs for the community. Mr Smith said the union had been working with employers to put in place a framework based on current health advice to protect workers and ensure the resilience of maritime supply chains. The employers as an industry have refused to engage with the union, instead going it alone and looking to opportunistically enact essential services legislation, he said. The MUA has been demanding improvements to biosecurity measures since January and we will continue to fight for strict enforcement of quarantine periods, more proactive biosecurity measures and testing for workers and crew of international vessels arriving in Australian ports and support for sick crew members. The MUA has also been urging the federal government to urgently repatriate all crew members on board foreign cruise ships 
other than those directly responsible for marine operations to address the growing humanitarian crisis. With reports that up to 11,000 foreign workers remain on board 11 foreign cruise ships in Australian waters, the union said it was alarmed but unsurprised by the ongoing failure of the industry to help workers return to their home countries. MUA National Secretary and International Transport Workers Federation President Paddy Crumlin said the current crisis was the direct result of an international cruise ship industry built on the exploitation of international workers, with vessels registered in tax havens, sailing under flags of convenience and utilising secretive ownership structures. The plight of the thousands of crew members on board foreign cruise ships anchored in Australian waters is an emerging humanitarian crisis that requires immediate government action, Mr Crumlin said. The Australian government must urgently act to allow the safe repatriation of all crew members not essential for marine operation to their home countries. The crew of these ships must be tested for COVID-19 and the ships sterilised under the highest Australian standards. The crew members then allowed to disembark through Australian ports and flown back to their home countries at the expense of their employers. All relocation, travel and medical expenses must be covered by the international cruise companies like P&O, Carnival and Royal Caribbean. Not a single cent should be paid by Australian taxpayers to support or bail out these international companies that have spent years using flags of convenience and opaque ownership structures to avoid paying local taxes and exploit workers. ITF Australia coordinator Dean Summers said it should now be abundantly clear to all Australians the threat posed by flag of convenience shipping to public health, the economy, environment and national security. The current federal government's maritime policies have encouraged the use of flag of convenience vessels in both domestic shipping between states and territories, along with the cruise ship industry, Mr Summers said. These ships have no connection to Australia other than sourcing huge profits from our community for faceless multinational corporations, while their home ports are in the Caribbean or West Africa. At a time when the COVID-19 pandemic is making our country's supply chains extremely vulnerable, our community is at the mercy of cheap flag of convenience ships registered in countries including Panama, the Bahamas and Liberia to deliver essential food, fuel and medical supplies. It should be abundantly clear to all Australians that flag of convenience shipping is responsible for serious threats to the nation's health, economy, environment and national security. This week, analysis by the ACTU and Unions ACT shows that 17,300 casual workers and 8,600 migrant workers, excluding New Zealand citizens, will not be eligible for the federal government wages subsidy. Overall, with a survey of almost 1,000 workers conducted between the 25th of March and 2nd of April, 18% of surveyed workers had lost their job and 19% had lost income or work shifts. The average weekly lost income due to the coronavirus crisis is $884 per week. The JobKeeper wage subsidy is just $750 per week. Alex White, Secretary of Unions ACT, has said, Migrant workers in particular do not qualify for social security, so face potential destitution and homelessness if they lose their job due to coronavirus. What's more, thousands of casuals in the hardest-hit industries, hospitality and retail, are not eligible for a wages subsidy, either because they don't have a 12-month's continuous employment or because their employer broke the law by paying them off the books. 
Friday, April 3rd, saw the largest Australia-wide virtual picket line take place. The virtual picket line raised awareness of how the federal government's wage subsidy excludes millions of workers and how migrant workers have been left in limbo with no guaranteed access to safe and affordable health care amidst the global coronavirus pandemic. The United Workers' Union, who represents 150,000 workers, including workers in hospitality and on farms, is taking the fight online. United Workers members live-streamed from their front lawns, balconies, lunchrooms and workplaces to highlight the limitations on how the subsidy is applied to migrant and casual workers. Jordi Veltia, a waiter and bartender, says, I started my current job in January this year, so I'll miss out on the JobKeeper payment. The nature of this industry is that people move on from employer to employer once a year. Huge chunks of the workforce aren't going to get this payment. It's not good enough. For workers like me, going on the job seeker means I will lose a third of my wage. I have no savings and rent is due soon. I can't borrow money from my family. I'm really worried about how I'm going to survive. Junya is a Nivanuatu worker who is working in Australia as part of the seasonal worker program. The visa situation isn't fair. We contribute to the economy every season. We still pay tax, insurance, food, house bills, transportation, just like every Australian citizen. We just want to earn a living wage and we need the government to fix our visas. National Secretary of United Workers Union Tim Kennedy said, Together we are calling on the government to revise their wage subsidy announcement to include every worker in Australia. Our view is that the payment needs to go to all workers, casuals, labour hire, freelancers, contractors and gig workers, irrespective of their citizenship as well. UWU continues to call for a jobs guarantee backed by a 100% wage guarantee and an income guarantee for all unemployed workers. Migrant workers are facing the uncertainty of ever-changing travel restrictions and border closures. If their visa expires during the pandemic, they won't be allowed to continue the essential work they do. And if they lose their job, will not legally be able to seek other employment. It's a dire situation. As casual workers and non-citizens, temporary migrant workers do not have the visa security, wage support and access to health care they need to be protected in this national health crisis. We must ensure all workers are included and supported to the extent that is needed. We just cannot have a crisis where some are more privileged than others. No worker should be left behind. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, of the 2.6 million casual workers in Australia, around 955,000 have been with their current employer for less than a year, and there are 1.4 million visa workers who are currently being excluded from government support during this crisis. This week, Coles received a fail from the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, or RAFU, on their COVID-19 safety scorecard. The scorecard shows the total and utter failures of Coles to comply with the federal government's mandate on COVID-19 safety. You can see the scorecard on the Stick Together Facebook page. On Thursday morning, RAFU wrote to every state and territory workplace safety regulator requesting they commence immediate widespread site visits and investigations over Coles' absolute failure to meet their obligations under law. They said that if Coles cannot provide a safe workplace for workers and customers, the regulators must all take necessary action. Hours later, Coles bowed to RAFU member pressure to admit its hand sanitizer doesn't meet standard, but they aren't going to fix it for weeks. 
The SDA agreed that delays of weeks is acceptable, but RAFU and its members brought the fight and they are not going anywhere. Workers all over Australia are standing up for their rights at work, including university workers closing counters as part of the struggle to shut down their campuses, teachers encouraging stay-aways from school, logistics workers organised by the United Workers' Union stopping work to enforce health and safety regulations at a series of workplaces, unorganised call centre workers in Queensland walking off the job in protest at overcrowded conditions. And these are just a few stories. If you're in Sydney and you would like to take action, you can join the Maritime Union of Australia, the CFMEU New South Wales Construction and General Division, the United Workers' Union and the May 1st movement as they take to the streets with three demands. Firstly, an income guarantee for every worker currently in Australia. No one should be thrown out onto the street during the crisis. Second, don't bail out essential services, nationalise them, public goods into public ownership. Third, visa amnesty for all migrant workers and Medicare extended to cover everyone currently in Australia. The COVID-19 crisis is escalating. The impact on our livelihoods could be as severe as the impact on our health. The federal government's emergency support payments, while welcome, are designed first and foremost to protect the rich. We are facing the worst unemployment crisis since the Great Depression. At the same time, the government is bailing out massive corporations who don't pay tax, just as they are sacking workers and throwing them out onto the street. We are calling on every member to join us in North Sydney this Thursday at 2pm for a car convoy into the city to make our voices heard. The convoy will muster at a starting point in North Sydney, then wind its way into the city making as much noise as possible. Please contact Sydney branch organiser Shane Redside for details and with confirmation on 0400-526-313. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. So we heard a bit about the federal government's wage subsidy in the news. This week I spoke to Peter Arndt about the ongoing campaign. Okay, I'm Peter Arndt. I'm Executive Officer of the Catholic Justice and Peace Commission for the Archdiocese of Brisbane, which covers all of South East Queensland. Our Archdiocese is a partner organisation in the Queensland Community Alliance which brings together dozens of different churches and faith organisations, all sorts of community and environmental organisations, and quite a good number of unions as well, including the peak body in Queensland, the Queensland Council of Unions. We, as an alliance, decided we needed to respond directly to some of the concerns emerging out of the COVID-19 pandemic and the Alliance partners as a whole certainly initially agreed to join in with the union movement's campaign for an 80% wage subsidy and you, you would know of course that The Prime Minister earlier this week announced the government's decision to 
set up a wage subsidy, but to the tune of a flat $1,500 a fortnight. So we were certainly heavily involved in that initial campaign, uh, promoting it in the community and within our own church networks across southeast Queensland. So you must have been acting pretty fast to mobilise yeah. people. Yeah, it was pretty urgent stuff, um, mm. getting people to sign to the ACTU's petition. And now we've got a second phase of urgent action because the union movement and others in the refugee sector, for example, have identified that there are a lot of workers who have been excluded from the subsidy. Yes. Uh, and maybe over a million altogether. Includes casual workers who've been employed at their current workplace for less than 12 months. All sorts of visa holders, including international students who would mostly have lost their jobs and, of course, temporary protection visa holders and undocumented workers. So we've got a campaign at the moment uh, asking people to call on the Prime Minister to include those workers in the JobKeeper payment. Yeah. And we're at the moment getting as many significant organisational leaders to sign on to a statement which will be published nationally next Monday and certainly asking people to follow that up with direct approaches to their MPs and senators, encouraging yeah. them to consider supporting changes to the JobKeeper payment to include those workers. A lot of work to be done. So how can people tell the government that they want this changed? Well, they can certainly make contact by email at least with their local yep. MP yep. and senators from their state. And if mm. they want to get line to the contact the Prime Minister page, mm. uh, they can directly um, send a message saying we want those excluded workers to be included in the JobKeeper payment scheme. And certainly sharing the information as widely as possible in people's own networks, whether they're union networks or community organisation or faith yeah. group, would be really helpful to, to mobilise as many people to send a very strong message to the Prime Minister and the Parliament about yeah. this. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. We just heard from Peter Arndt about the work that the Queensland Community Alliance is doing for the wage subsidy campaign. Next, let's hear from Marcus Banks about his work with Unionists for Refugees. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Marcus Banks. I'm in Unionists for Refugees. I'm a union delegate at RMIT. Uh, with the National Tertiary Education Union. And Unionists for Refugees has been going for about 18 months now. And uh, we've been building on campaigns and taking the lead from campaigns such as Teachers for Refugees, which has built an impressive record of petitions and selfies and T-shirts and union motions through the union channels. And in November 2018, 50 schools in Victoria and 20 schools in Queensland, teachers walked out and put a lot of pressure on the government to support refugees, and especially the refugees that they were teaching. 
mm. and the other uh, the other action uh, that we take our lead from is the baby Asher response to the baby Asher, a little girl who was injured with boiling water in Nauru and was taken to the Lady Salento Children's Hospital in Brisbane, and it galvanised the Queensland trade union movement in a way I hadn't seen for years. It uh, forced Dutton to back down and to allow Baby Asher to stay in Queensland. And hundreds and hundreds of people, especially doctors and nurses, and the trade union movement generally, caused that uh, back down by Dutton. Yeah, I remember that going on. It was very inspiring watching people put their bodies on the line as well and rock up to the hospital. And, and... Yeah, that's our guide. And so we've been organising cohering people we meet at the Nurses' Union, Elizabeth Street in Melbourne, but yeah. uh, we've been having Zoom meetings recently. And, well, we had a, a meeting that we organised late last year with Michelle O'Neill yeah. and had 80 people attend that, uh, activists and union delegates from many, many unions. The other focus that we've had is going to union delegates conferences. Um, I've, I've been to the Australian Services Union Delegates Conference and the Health and Community Services Union Delegates Conference. And we've been getting a fantastic reception there about, you know, the questions posed, how do we organise? Because people know that refugees and asylum seekers and non-permanent residents are really doing it tough and the way that Dutton's been pushing it. And we've been talking with those delegates about having local workplace meetings. And that's been fantastic. So uh, they've gone work. back and done that in their own workplaces? That's right. And, um, and we've been offering speakers uh, mm. to those local workplace meetings. So we're, we're trying to develop, you know, we've got our own petitions and uh, T-shirts and badges, etc. But it, it's, it's questions that are posed at those meetings that we've had. We've found that we start by talking about the context, like, you know, at Mantra um, yes. Hotel at the moment, yes. where there's 80, 80 people there. Yeah, so what, talk, what is happening with them in terms of COVID-19? Because I've seen photos of them holding signs and stuff. Yeah, there's been some rallies uh, to support them. There was going to be uh, a car cavalcade uh, last Friday. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Preston police said that uh, anybody that was participating in the car cavalcade would be fined $1,600, yeah. even though there's only, we're only going to have two people yeah. in each car in yeah. the cavalcade. And so I had to pull back on that. Yeah, so that's kind of like a, a way that they're using these new laws and new legislation to stop people from protesting and, and demonstrating. Absolutely. And, and I think we have to hold the line. We have yeah. to work out ways of being able to protest. Yeah. We can't rely on, you know, the, the slogan that the United uh, Workers' Union are putting up is that no worker left behind. Mm. And I think that the trade union movement is key to being able to enact that, to, to allow every non-resident as well as resident to be able to live, yeah. to be able to have a decent standard of living and in fact, everybody's going to do it tough in April because yeah. the people who are on job seeker payments aren't going to start to receive anything until the 27th. Mm -hmm. And then it'll pan out over the next two weeks. Yeah. So when their payment's due and the job keeper subsidy doesn't kick in until May, this April, there's going to be millions of people really doing it hard. 
it's just cruel what they're doing. It's health. It's a risk to health. Mm. At Kangaroo Point, the hotel that 110 people are staying in last Wednesday, a Sturco card was uh, found positive with the coronavirus mm. and two of the detainees are displaying symptoms. They've yeah. got to be released. Yeah. The food queue at Kangaroo Point is only 65 centimetres width. So everybody is, has to be within 65 centimetres of each other. Yeah. And so it's a massive health risk. And the trade union movement um, needs to call for everybody to be released from yeah. uh, the hotels. That's the focus of unions for refugees, uh, to, mm. to link in with the broader um, economic and political and social issues that are uh, facing every working class person and, and use, you know, having the workplace meetings as a key element of building campaigns. And how can people get involved? Well, have a look at the Facebook page, Unionists for Refugees. You know, continue to have meetings and uh, we'll let you know through that. We've got about 300 people yep. on our email list so, so we notify them. You can keep in touch that way. So yep. Unionists for Refugees Victoria. I yep. think there's other groups that are starting up in mm. other states, especially people who are union activists or delegates or both, to keep in touch so that when the lockdown starts to rise a bit, that we can start to have speakers at uh, local workplace meetings yeah. if uh, when people get back to work. And also people can be in touch for Zoom meetings, of course, uh, yeah. that are going to be happening. Great. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thanks, Rebecca. Bye. Bye. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening and thanks to Peter Arndt and Marcus Banks for taking the time to share with us. Stay safe until next time. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 0394198377 and leaving us a message. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Rebecca Langley. Catch you next time.